Dear viewers, you are listening right now to the No Pun Included podcast. Your ears are experiencing the dulcet tones of myself, Efka. Underline. I have some sad news for you today. One of our co-hosts is experiencing a massive headache. But because, who knows which one? Well, who knows which one? The problem is, is that this co-host is specifically responsible for the section Elaine ungrumps a board game. I don't know why I said your name weird. Uh, I, I, I don't know how that's going to work because just you don't, are... Just don't call me Elaine. Okay, okay. Because that's like electronic lane. Yeah. yeah? It's, okay. Yeah. So we're going to have a double bill of grumping about board games. Are you ready for that? Good, but before that, we're going to just talk about some board games. So yes. first up, we have some No Pun Included news. Yes, uh, In No Pun Included news, uh, we are happy to announce that we finally finished our D&D series after 17 long episodes. The series is done. Uh, I want to yeah. give a big shout out to our guests who played D&D with us, uh, Paul Dean, Ross Connell and Emma Johnson. Uh, they all do fantastic things on their own platforms. Paul has a Patreon where he does a lot of good writing, sometimes about games, mostly about travel and life and reflections. I enjoy reading it immensely, and if you like a good read, I suggest uh, backing his Patreon. Uh, Emma and Ross uh, do Twitch streams. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Ross streams under More, Game More Games, Please, and Emma streams under uh, Mzaya, uh, which is E M M. Z-A-J-A. Or you can also find her podcast, The Pointless Parrot Podcast. Where it's she, an excellent podcast. It's an excellent podcast. She interviews uh, people from the board game sphere, but the podcast itself isn't necessarily about board games. It's more about the people themselves. Yeah, about their other interests. And uh, we've been on it, both of us. Mm. We each had our own individual mm. episode, and I would uh, highly recommend listening to Elaine's. Uh, and I would recommend listening to Efka's. Thank you. We, 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 we solved that very, very well, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> didn't big ourselves up. I would recommend listening to a lot of them because even yeah. if you don't know the person who Emma is interviewing, you will know the person once you finish listening to it. I, I'd say that is a very good summation. So uh, if you enjoyed our D&D series, you can find them there. If you haven't enjoyed our D&D series... You have 34 hours of content waiting for you. Wow, that's something. <laughs> Plus the bonus episode. Of, oh, no, that's not going to be on the No, thing, the bonus is episode is only on Twitch. Uh, you can still watch it on Twitch uh, where we just chat to each other, uh, but it will disappear after some time. Mm. Uh, is there any other No Pun Included news? Uh, yes, there is. Uh, we put a little pause on the Pocket series... Uh, but we will be resuming that at various different times. So if you're not familiar with the Pocket series uh, on our YouTube channel, which is predominantly what we do, we mm -hmm. review board games on our YouTube channel, uh, we did a little. We started a little series about board games that fit into your pocket. They don't necessarily fit into your pocket. Unless you have really big pockets like a clown trousers. Or dungaroos. Um, <laughs> dungaroos indeed have big pockets. Uh, so we've done three of these, and uh, the series has a total of six episodes, but because our numbers weren't quite what we wanted them to be, we decided to parcel them out, especially since there are a lot of exciting games coming out after Essen Spiel, and we want to give those priority, but we will be returning to the Pocket series one at a time mm -hmm. piecemeal. So if you're a fan of those, we will be continuing the series and we will finish it up. It just won't be all six episodes one after the other, but rest assured more pocket games will come. 
actually, no, there is a slight more bit of NPI news, I suppose, in oh, that well. we think, we both think we have yeah. picked our game of the year for this year. Not going to spoil what it is, uh-huh. uh, but there will... Nearer. There, there's some, there's some games I still want to try. There's some contenders. Yes. We think we might have found it though. Yes, we we think we agree in unison. Mm-hmm. Um, which is strange. It's probably not going to be what you think it is. Uh, who knows? Who knows? It's it's certainly not everyone's pick. I think. No. Yeah, uh, and I'm. I guess we're continuing the proud tradition of no pun included. Never picking. <laughs> <laughs> the game of the year that other people pick. Uh, not because we're being contentious, just because we like to shine a light on something that maybe was a little bit obscure, but still excellent. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's an open included news, right? Yes. Fantastic. Let's talk about some games we played. This time we have, in no particular order, Oceans, Marvel Champions, Curious Cargo, Bonfire, Point Salad, Under Falling Skies, Horizon Zero Dawn, and our feature game this week, Search for Planet X. Which should be the Search for Planet 9, really. Or 10. Is it 10? Is the X 10? Well, I, I guess I guess the X is meant to represent 10, right? Or, or also the unknown, right? Well, yeah, it's a pun, I suppose. But there are only eight planets so far, so the now, one that would be discovered would be planet nine. Maybe this game was written no, like no, 10 no, no, years no. ago. There, there were always eight planets. It's just <laughs> someone decided that there was a ninth one, which was always a lie. So, you know, uh, there were never nine planets, Elaine. Okay. Yeah, I'm putting my foot down with science. Okay. But you wouldn't have passed your physics exam if you'd have written there were only eight planets. Um, it, I, I don't think that question was in my physics exam. It was in mine. Exam. Was it, it really? Were, it was in some kind of science exam. I remember that because I remember the, the kids at school, like as teenagers, mm-hmm. Desperately trying to remember the order of the planets. Was that the name of your science class? Some kind of science? Yeah, sure. Astronomy was something that my dad was really into. Yes, I know that. So, like, I knew the names of the planets and the order of the planets and quite often why they were called those things and who they were discovered by and blah, blah, blah. Mm. Since I was, like, eight, right? Right, and And, then your worldview was shattered. And then my worldview changed because I was like, well, this is easy, like... And everyone's going, no, this isn't. Like, we have to remember this and do this mnemonic thing of, Uh uh you know. And the the funny thing is, so the the mnemonic for it is my very easy method just names up speeding planet. No, just speeds up naming planets. There, that's it. Right. I have to try It started really well. I know. But then... I I struggle to remember the mnemonic more than the the names of the planets. But... um, then the funny thing is, the P for yeah. planets and Pluto right. like, goes away now because so it just becomes my very easy method just speeds up naming right? because <laughs> the P isn't a thing. Anyway, uh, but yes, this is the search for, for planet 10, a- 10 or X, X or... which is our feature review. You can look forward to that at the very end of this episode. Mm-hmm. The first item on what we've been playing is Horizon Zero Dawn, the board game. Mm-hmm. Uh, happy to say we both played now the video game and the board game. Mm-hmm. Elaine was not familiar with this franchise. Correct. I was. So when I plopped this box down and said, look at these cool miniatures that look just like they did in the video game. And you said, 
I don't know. I've never played the video game. I was like, no worries, Elaine. I'll show you. And then you said, no. <laughs> you said, I want to play true, the did. board game first. Yeah, I want to see I'll find what out the board the video game, game is like yeah. on its own. So basically, you know, like if, if someone said to you, have you heard about this Lord of the Rings thing? And you would say, no, I'm going to watch the film first, though. And then I'll read the book. Is it that well known? Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, the yeah. board game. Yeah, it's a very... As well known it, as Lord of the Rings. No, I mean, nothing is as well known as Lord of the Rings. Lord of the nothing. Rings. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to commit sacrilege and say that it's sacred, you know. Okay. But, you know, like, it's it's special in everyone's hearts. Horizon Zero Dawn hasn't had that much time yet. I see. Oh. Yeah, it's, uh-huh. it's relatively new. But I think it is very popular about okay. am, amongst the video game people, okay, right? Cool. Uh, and I quite enjoyed it myself. Uh, I'm saying that about the video game. Yes. Uh, thoughts about the board game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are not going to spoil yet because it's going to be our next feature review video. And by feature review video, I, of course, mean a video, video. review. Because all, all our video reviews are features, you know. <laughs> just picking ourselves up a little bit. Just rambling now. No, okay. I, I just... I'm, <laughs> I want to be coy. I want to be coy about it because I think it will be an enjoyable video for those who enjoy our coverage of big miniature Kickstarters. Big miniature. Big is miniature. An oxymoron? It is. Mm. Yeah. The miniatures aren't big. Just no. to explain that. Yeah. The miniatures are regular size Actually, miniatures. Actually, here's one thing I'm going to say about Horizon yes. Zero Dawn, the board game, right? Yes. Without spoiling anything about what I think about the gameplay, right? Is that the miniatures, whilst they look true to the video game counterparts and are intricately detailed, mm. the one thing I was incredibly disappointed by was the scale. <laughs> They're the same size as you are, like, in the game, right? Right, like, it, it, it's, not, it's not even the same size as you are. You, like, your, your character miniatures mm-hmm. are very small in terms mm. of scale. They're not, they're not the, you know, like, standard games workshop scale or whatever. So if you, if you, if you had, like, a Space Marine-sized yeah, no, yeah, character right, figure, yeah. you know, like, these monsters would be much bigger and would feel, you know, more imposing. Because when you see... When you see that, whatever that crab thing is called, uh-huh. you know, in the video game, uh-huh. it's huge. You know, it's this lumbering monstrosity, right? And when you see it, like... <laughs> but, but they would have to be enormous. Well, yeah. The box would have to be the size of our table. I mean, I guess, but that's that's what people who or, back these games want. Or the, the, the people representation minis would have to be like the size of a grain of rice. Well, I mean... You'd have to move them around with tweezers. It's not so much that. I just... I I think I wanted the monsters to be a little bit bigger. Because they look ridiculous now and not imposing. What about if they were cardboard standees? I would be fine with that. (laughs) Would you? Yeah. They were enormous. Oh, Like, they were the size of the box. Right. Right, so the the scale was better, but they weren't made of plastic. I think it'd be slightly more comical, but... (laughs) (laughs) Shall we move on? Shall we? To Marvel Champions. Yes. Uh, so a, once again, a quick shout out. Uh, this is a video we've done uh, already on our channel uh, and wanted to mention that we, whilst we very much enjoyed playing Marvel Champions, we found a whole bunch of faults uh, that people <laughs> have been telling us uh, we're wrong about uh-huh. uh, and I mean, we've been standard. enjoying that uh, <laughs> very much. So if, if you want to if you wanna feel like we're wrong and want to watch our review of Marvel Champions, uh, you can certainly go ahead and do that. What's next? The next game that we are talking about is a game called Oceans. Right, Oceans. So, Which is about the sea and fish and fish 
becoming no that that didn't make any sense no becoming it, a fish because, well it is it is the journey of being a fish yes. isn't it right well it's kind of the evolution yes. of fish so you are trying to be the best fish in the sea wow right? and the way that you do that is yeah. by like thematically the way that you do that is by getting different genetic modifications that happen to you naturally. Like natural, what do you call that? Natural modifications over time that, you know, like when... Genes. Genes, yeah. DNA. Yeah, like, yeah, modifications in genes. Evolution. So like, evolution, yes. You already said that. Oh, I said that already. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you evolve uh, into the best fish you can be to try and beat your opponent. You're a big fish, fish in a big pond. Yeah, but the interesting thing about it is that you're playing potentially multiple fish that are doing that as as a player, and mm -hmm. your opponent is potentially playing multiple fish, and you're uh, you're upgrading the fish by playing cards to them. Well, this is the weird thing. So, what represents your fish mm. in this game is a thin strip of cardboard. Yeah, yeah, just this sort of rectangle, and it has some images of where like fish pieces go. But mm -hmm. these fish pieces also don't represent your fish they're just they, fish food that your fish eats kind of or or maybe they represent the numbers of your fish yeah. in, in that shoal mm. right i think that's what it's supposed to represent is the amount of fish in that community yes right the fish pieces mm. don't aren't representative of what your fish looks like it just has traits you add different traits. I think we've sufficiently cards. confused our audience by so. now. Let me try and entangle this. So, uh, Oceans was sent to us as a review copy uh, from North Star Games, who are the publisher. They also kindly sent us like a whole bunch of extra things that comes with Oceans. So, these things you would expect, like oh, crumbs, yeah. promos, right, and uh, upgraded components, which are now like plastic fish instead of cardboard fish. Yes. Uh, but also, they sent us an Oceans T-shirt, yeah. some Oceans sleeves, uh, yeah. and you know, all like kinds. Like yeah, like no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything oceans, right? And like some I was baggies, like, yeah, like velveteen baggies, right? So we're, silken baggies. We're fully ocean branded now. Yeah, uh, for sure. Life is great. Uh, I want to say what I want to say about oceans, and uh, I think this is a great leading into yes. the game. Is what what oceans did for me in my initial play of it mm -hmm. uh, was what I wished wingspan would do for mm. me you know obviously birds are not fish you know uh but that's fine people like birds i like birds too mm -hmm. but fish are definitely my favorite mammal uh yes <laughs> more than birds yeah. more than birds uh -huh. yeah yeah uh and uh it also has it's also a tableau building card game yes. much like wingspan yes, it is. and it also features a lot of delightful artwork of fish mm -hmm. much like wingspan features a lot of delightful artwork of birds and also like wingspan whilst the artwork is done by multiple different artists there was clearly a very oh, cohesive, cohesive brief yeah. of what the art style should be and it all sort of gels and coheres into one semblance of how oceans looks and what it is one thing about aesthetics that i do want to gripe about is the card border design uh mm. and and well they're actually borderless but you know like the frame for all the abilities and the iconography for all the abilities whilst it's very clear mm -hmm. because it's like different shapes not just colors yeah. you know uh although they do use in red and green which is unfortunate but they're, but, they're very different shapes yeah. it's not like one's filigreed and one's mm. not it's like one's a square and one's a circle and one's a triangle right but. yeah I, it's it's it just isn't good graphical design so the artwork is great uh -huh. the graphical design isn't so much and and whilst 
it's petty to complain about it, mm-hmm. right? The rest of oceans looks so good mm-hmm. that it feels like, uh, you know, in Lithuania, we have uh, that saying, one one spoon of oil ruins a barrel of honey, sure, yeah. right? You know, that's uh, that's that's yeah, that yeah. sort of thing for me, you know, like where I was like, ah, so close to greatness, but not quite. Whereas I have to say, I didn't care about that at all. Well, I found it because it was very different. Yeah. It was very clear what it was asking you yeah. to do oh no i i am i am fully admitting this is petty you know mm. uh but i i did want to put that out there because because the game otherwise looks fantastic you know and it could have been just you know a visual stunner it's not but only because of that one minor little detail uh, but it's not just the aesthetics that are similar and conceptual theme that are similar mm. to wingspan it's also uh you know i want to compare it in terms of gameplay because it's the same genre of game you play cards yeah and these cards represent animals and and how, you know, like these animals thematically resolve rules in terms of <laughs> how you're going to win this competitive game, right? Which is obviously nonsense, right? In both cases. But in Oceans, I sort of feel like, yes, I get it, right? Uh-huh. You know, you have, uh, what you're doing is like, you have these multiple fishes that you're building by playing cards towards that fish and these cards are traits like yes. your fish could have tentacles Apex predator oh yeah or, yeah tentacles. or or you know it could be a schooling type of fish yes. where fish go to school and learn things so they're or more intelligent see-through yes it was transparent translucent translucent fish. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. uh yeah so it had various kind of fish traits right yeah. And so your fish can only have free cards mm-hmm. unless you have cards like Speedy, mm-hmm. which increase yes. the number of cards you can have and add other abilities. Um, and you're molding this sort of thing. And, and the rules make sense on the cards thematically yes. in terms of what they represent. But also you're you're almost creating this sort of Frankenstein's monster, oh, yeah. right? That you want to be one thing. Mm-hmm. But you're not necessarily in control of what it is becoming because you have to very quickly react to what your opponent is doing yes. with their fish. Yes. And this together, is very true. all these fish create an ecosystem, right? <laughs> of sorts. Yeah, like of sorts. Because, so uh, here's an example, right? So you might play a fish trade card towards your fish mm-hmm. uh, called Shark teeth cleaner or whatever it is i think it, yeah yeah shark cleaner I, i'm not sure something to do with sharks basically <laughs> you're a tiny fish you go around sharks teeth and you know you feed off of the uh germs uh-huh. or, or <laughs> <laughs> we didn't learn a lot about fish in this no, game no uh and and that says that whenever uh the closest <laughs> predator you feed off the germs <laughs> yeah <laughs> Whenever uh-huh. the closest predator attacks something, right, like this this shark teeth cleaner gets some extra fish, right? Now fish are really important because to fish, because <laughs> fish on fish will let you score points if you have enough fish. Yes. 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 Let maybe let me explain a little Wait, bit. Okay, uh, go on then. Let me go finish. Let me finish. Right. So so when you, let's say you play the shark teeth cleaner on your fish, right, and I have the predator fish, right. Suddenly I'm like, oh no, you're going to start leeching my points. I don't want to do that. I need to play a different card uh-huh. than I, what I was planning to stop this fish stealing shenanigans happening right and yes. and so the game is very reactive right yes. you have ideas and you have plans for what your fish is going to be but you have to respond to what your opponent's doing and therefore you're creating these 
ecological monstrosities that you are not in control of and things go awry. I'm going to pass it over to you. <laughs> so, no, what I was going to say was that that maybe wasn't super clear on, on why you would be doing that in the game. So yeah. how, how it kind of works is that you play the cards in front of you on the table, mm-hmm. um, but everything is kind of adjacent to the edges of everything else. So my furthest left fish would be adjacent to Efka's furthest right fish or yeah. whatever. Yeah, right? like whatever it loops in a circle, yeah, it right? it loops in a circle. So, and, and your own fish that you're building are adjacent to each other. So you can steal mm. resources or you can attack your own fish that you're building mm-hmm. or your opponent can get benefits from the fish that you've built because some fish might say like when this fish feeds the fish to the right gets something or fish to the left gets mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. so it kind of works like that that there are negatives and positives to how you want to build your tableau and how your opponent wants to build them uh, and that I think that's why you meant like what you meant by you, you have to be very reactive sometimes yeah, because absolutely. you have to, it's not an individual pursuit. You have to take care about what your opponent is doing. So when, when uh, one of the designers and the publisher approached us about uh, sending us a review copy, he mentioned this like, it's, it's like magic, the gathering, but with fish and self-contained in a box. <laughs> I'm not sure that's an accurate description of the game. No, you asked me whether that was true. And I was like, N- I'm not sure. I, I don't think so. Because before I taught you the game, right? Yeah. Um, and I was like, I'm not sure that's true. And the more that I was kind of teaching you different bits of it, I was like, oh, well, maybe it is. Well, <laughs> maybe it is the, a little bit like There is one that. element that represents that because uh, uh, there are some keywords. Yeah. And there are not yes. a lot of keywords. There are no. some keywords in this game that have specific rules. And they make the game very interactive, mm. right? Mm. And you are definitely sort of competing with each other in a way where you have to respond to what your opponent is doing. Mm. And certainly knowledge of how different rule segments interact with each other yeah. will help you be much better at this game. Uh, and I mentioned this because whilst we've only played Oceans once so far, so this is very much our early impressions, yeah. the game felt wild, uh, like a little bit. There's there's a certain element to the rules, and that's not my favorite type of game where everything is immediately just like, whoa, you can do what now? Mm. I, but that was exciting. I'm just, uh, I, I guess I'm mentioning this that I'm not sure how well this game would stand up to repeated plays and whether it 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 coheres into a balance to and fro where people constantly learn how to you know disable one strategy or yeah. enable a different strategy or whether there's just something completely dominant because there's so many different wild abilities i think you potentially could find ways of, of breaking the fish yeah yeah, I, but, I think that it's very playgroup dependent. I think some people like to, you know, are quick quick to dismiss uh, games like this sometimes when they say, oh, that's a broken strategy. This game's broken, whatever, uh-huh. let's move on to something else, right? And I think some people like to explore that. They like to be like, okay, well, okay, this seems to be very a very progressive strategy where it, you know, keeps 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 rewarding you all the time. Are there ways to countermand that? I want to explore yeah. that, right? Yeah, and it is kind of mitigated a bit by the fact you're drawing random cards. Mm-hmm. So you're never quite sure what you're going to get, but you can discard and redraw kind of as 
as many as you want up to your hand size. So you and, and there's no limit. Like once the deck runs out, you just turn it over and start mm. again. Like you can kind of almost cycle through and find what you want in it. Yeah. Um, so I I don't know if there would be players that that kind of would purposefully use that as as part of their strategy. Having said that, uh, even after one play, I would strongly recommend this over wingspan. Maybe it's not quite as demure as some people sure. want it to be. You know, it's the best word to describe it would be psychedelic colors, <laughs> right? Uh, and and so it's not immediately as inviting as wingspan, which is just you know very placid Pastels. and yeah. Um, this is this is more like in your face. Here's fish. Uh, but there's still that sort of sense of, you know, fish, ocean, we're making fish, these fish behave like in an ecosystem, and it's maybe a little bit, it's definitely more aggressive than Wingspan as a game, uh, but but out of the two, this would be my go-to. Mm, I liked how you were making um, these Frankenstein's monster fish. Mm. I like that a lot. Yeah, Rather well, than an actual fish, you're yeah. not trying to build a certain type of fish, mm. you're building whatever you want oh yeah they're completely crazy it's like translucent <laughs> like tentacle apex predator <laughs> yeah, yeah. <exactly>. yeah. <laughs> i like that a lot the next game is curious cargo now did we like this as much as we liked oceans efka oh no <laughs> so a, a bit of a preamble here uh, curious cargo is the second design by ryan courtney uh whose first design was pipeline our game of the year for 2019. We both very much like Pipeline. Yes. A Curious Cargo was sort of billed as a, as a two-player spiritual spin-off mm -hmm. of Pipeline. And I'm very sorry to say we did not like it at <laughs> all. No, we found it to be a miserable experience. I'm sorry, Capstone Games, I'm, who sent us the review copy. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Ryan Courtney. We didn't like Curious Cargo no. and uh, at all. And I guess my one solace in saying this is, is that I think some people will like this game. Mm. But so if you're not familiar with Pipeline, uh, Pipeline was a heavy economic simulator uh, about uh, laying pipes and making money out of them. Oil by, pipes. By, by yeah. running oil through them, right? Uh, this, is, this is not oil pipes. This is pipes like in a pipes. magical warehouse. <laughs> Uh, the theme of this is, I'm, I'm not joking, uh, you are given a, a magical warehouse by a strange person in an alley, uh, and then you go into this warehouse and you find that there's aliens going through the pipes, and you're like, right, how do we make money out of how this? How do we transport these aliens yeah, to make money? This, this sounds, it, it starts off like a bad episode of the Twilight Zone. What? <laughs> <laughs> and no. I'm not saying Twilight Zone is bad. I'm just saying there are bad episodes of the Twilight Zone. There was not one with aliens in pipes, as no. far as I'm aware. No, but like there are strange men approaching you <laughs> in in a dark alley and offering you a strange deal, sure. you know, that probably you shouldn't accept, sure. right? So this is kind of like that. I mean, okay. Uh, and <laughs> and then it and then it goes into it goes into a really really complicated uh, tile. Management. Laying, <laughs> dial management game uh, of, of oh, I, d I don't even know how to describe it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by saying that after uh, publisher Capstone Games sent us the review copy of Curious Cargo, mm. it, was it was immediately followed up by an email 
that said, uh, oh, hey, by the way, just just a quick heads up, we're going to be publishing this uh, online primer on how to play Curious Cargo well and how to enjoy it. And um, it didn't, wasn't exactly those words, but, you know, that's my paraphrasing of it. And I immediately thought, oh, no, if if you need to read a primer on how to handle this game well, this maybe isn't necessarily going to be the most inviting of experiences and it isn't and I think some people might enjoy that but I guess the point of it is you have tiles those tiles have pipes so you're you're taking tiles with pipes there's two colors of uh, two colors of pipes or three colors of pipes that entirely depends on the game mode you're playing Mm -hmm. uh the expert one has three colors of pipes don't play with that no. Um, the rule book says don't play with that it's yet. It's complicated enough with two. Yeah, it's complicated enough with two. Um, and essentially, you have two sides of your player board where you're trying to lay these tiles yes. of pipes to connect a single color from a pipe, like machine exit to an end, from yeah. a machine thing to to like an exit, effectively. And the exit is a conveyor on one side and on the or, other like, side. Like, or an entrance. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. so on the left side, the conveyor belt is you taking trucks and moving those trucks. And if the truck has a space where the pipe ends, yes. then you can drop a good. Uh, and onto that truck. Onto that truck. And that truck will then, as you put more and more trucks, will slide towards your opponent's player board. <clears throat> where it will slide to the right side of their player board. Yes. And that's where the receiving of the goods is. Yes. And if, when that truck stops, <laughs> there is a pipe on the other side where its exit connects to the spot where the good is on the truck, and the- then it leads all the way down to a machine, it will receive that yes. good. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to send out goods for one end and receive goods for the other end. But to do that, you need to create this convoluted layer of pipes yeah a Mm. a network of pipes Mm. effectively right and and try and work it out so that there's some kind of evenness between what is connected uh on the out and what is connected on the in to to your machines uh because otherwise you'll end up with all reds going out so there's two color pipe tiles blue and red right Mm -hmm. you'll end up with all reds going out or all blues coming in and you've only got a certain amount of space on your own player board to receive goods from the other player and it's weird because you can you can move their trucks as well as your own yeah right so so it's never predictable where a truck is going to be (laughs) right yeah not at all Uh, and you can never predict which tiles you're going to get because unlike pipeline Mm. where uh the tiles for half the tiles for the game are just immediately displayed at the start Mm -hmm. right so you can start making plans and going like, okay, so if I take this, maybe later I can get that, you know, whatever. Like, And then the other half come out, you know, like three times per game. So even though you haven't got it, you know, immediately, but you can sort of plan and you can go, well, I don't want the opponent to take that tile because mm-hmm. I'll need mm-hmm. it and there isn't another one like that out there. So I'll take that now or maybe I can, mm-hmm. you know, defer the pipe taking action till later. So this is some smart, clever decisions about yes. when you'll take pipe tiles yes which pipe tiles you'll take how you're going to build your network yes here uh it's there's like a random supply yeah uh that you just like you draw from a bag uh, and you can keep those back like but you then can... you cover up the tiles you already had <laughs> right yeah right. so if you want to get to a tile that you had that you covered up you have to build that one first so it has to go somewhere in your network adding convolution to this yes. entire affair 
I, I'm sure someone will love this. I'm sure there's someone out there who will love this. You can have layers of pipe yes, tiles. Yes, I was about to say that. I did quite like that. Did that you? If you've, if you've realised you've kind of messed up something and you've ended up breaking your pipe uh, line, yeah. uh, then you can overbuild it and put another pipe on. But, it's mechanical sellotape. But... <laughs> <laughs> but let me finish. It reminded me, which I thought was great at the beginning, like the, yeah. the concept for me. Oh, like you can fix is, it, right? It's great. It's yeah, yeah, you can fix it. But for me, it was like one of those horrible puzzles that I'm terrible at, where you have a grid of like, you know, nine squares and only one of them is empty and the picture's all muddled up and you have to move the squares around so that the picture is, is uh -huh. right around, right? Uh -huh. And and like you move, you start moving them around and, and you get like one part of the picture right, but then you realize you've broken the other part of the picture by doing so that's what it reminded me of yeah. whatever i was trying to overlay i would fix one thing and break something else and and in the end i was like i'm just not going to do this i'm just going to think more carefully about how i lay my pipes in the beginning right? yeah it was just what i like about pipeline a lot is mm. that even though it's a, a big beefy game for my own brain everything feels very elegant and it Clear. is. It is elegant. I, thank you. Like, I think some people find Pipeline convoluted. I don't. I think it's very, very mm. specific and clear. And it immediately like, triggers, like, parts of your brain that says, this is how you compete. Yeah. This is how, you know, yeah. you make a strategy. This is how you play tactics, right? Yeah. So yeah. It blends both elements together. Sorry to make another random comparison to things. Um, but this is how my brain works, right? Like, whereas Pipeline feels like a big... Um, you know, like if you were making a recipe for something complicated, so yeah. say like a souffle, mm -hmm. right? Is that complicated? I don't know. I've mm. never made a souffle. But if, you, if you're making a recipe for a souffle, right? And, mm. and everything is quite complicated, but it's logical and makes sense each step. Yeah. Like here's some eggs, then, then you do this with the eggs. And right, right. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. Whereas Curious Cargo feels like the cut-ups where you've taken the recipe for souffle, cut it up, taken a recipe for soup, cut it up, and then just put it all together. And it says, like, add the carrots and then beat the egg. Like, so, what am okay, I doing? Okay, I'm going to be a little bit kinder than you, right? Uh -huh. But because I think it has, it has purpose and it is a functioning game, uh -huh. right? Uh, but I don't think I would be as harsh on it if I hadn't just played Calico, which is... A very different game, but they're it both is. they're both tile laying games, right? In sure. a very constricted space, yes. That require you to place tiles in a certain pattern to maximize, you know, their output. In Calico, it's just an output of points. In Curious Cargo, it's an output of complicated maneuvering through, yeah. you know, conveyor yeah, belts yeah. and pipes and whatever. When I played Calico, I realized how punishing already tile laying in a constricted space is mm -hmm. you don't need a lot of rules because mm -hmm. the rules for calico are there's three tiles you take a tile you place it <laughs> yeah, right sure. that's it curious cargo has a lot more rules than that and i think because of that suffers a lot more now I, so i read the guide that they sent okay. us over okay. and it mentioned saying don't make plans for the tile that you need to get just be reactive and you know make do with the tiles sure. you see and i would contend that that doesn't work in this game because because it's so wild and so unpredictable right mm -hmm. that it, it's trying to be a tactical game right but the tactics just come like bam 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 bam, bam right and you're like what <laughs> what just happened i'm looking around somewhere a game just drove by me i didn't see it uh it's gone mm-hmm 
So that's curious cargo for I, me. I, I think you're right, though. Like, I, I was a bit unkind to it. But I, I didn't necessarily mean that in a in a negative way. That was just mm. how it made my head feel. Yeah. That, that everything was everywhere. Like, like you're saying, you know, everything comes at you so quickly. And I do also, like you, imagine that there are some people that will really, really get into this and be like, yes, this is excellent. And like being not quite able to know what's coming next is going to be the thing that that really Mm. gets them so yeah i agree there'd be some people that really like it curious cargo is for some not for others we're we're not those others no we are those others and we still love pipeline it's a fantastic game sorry ryan courtney the end next is a game that i know nothing about called under Falling Skies. Well, Elaine, do you know the tale of the boy who cried wolf? No. Where he went around and kept saying, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Oh, and then an acorn fell on his head. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah, yeah. There's nothing to do with that. Okay. Absolutely not a single thing. Okay. Under Falling Skies is a game about aliens, where oh. the aliens fall from the sky on you, and oh. you want to stop that, because the aliens are not good people. Uh, so, Under Falling Skies is a game you know nothing about at all because it's a solo game. And uh, up until a couple of days ago, I've never seen you play a solo game. (laughs) Uh, And so I just decided to break out Under Falling Skies and play it on my own. So here's here's where I'm not feeling very comfortable covering it yet. I've played it a couple of times. I played the most basic version out of the box. Uh, There's more modes in the box. Yes. Uh, what you have is a game that has a very long extending board mm-hmm. and uh, there's aliens dropping down very much like in, you know, Galaga or no, Galaga? Is that? No, is that's the film. I don't know. Is there a film called Galaga? Like Noel Gallagher? No. Where Noel Gallagher falls out the sky onto your head. No, Gattaca is the film. Right, I see. Right. Uh, no, uh, you know, like uh, Space Invaders. There we go. <laughs> like the crisps. Oh, no, they're Space Raiders. That's not the same. You know Space Invaders. You know the, 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 the old arcade game sure, where yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the things fall down. No, right? I'm far too you young. Have to, you have to shoot it down. So you're playing this game. <laughs> okay. You, you're playing Space Invaders, okay, right? Sure. But like a solo board game, sure. right? Uh, and uh, there's like this whole dice management system. You have like um, five dice. Yeah. A couple of them are white and three of them are black or it's okay. the other way around, uh-huh. right? I think, yeah. Yeah, three of them are black. Two mm-hmm. of them are white, mm-hmm. right? So you roll five dice every every round, right? And then you have five columns, right? Yes. Where the aliens are coming down. And the same five columns corresponding to where you place your dice on your base that is below the aliens, uh-huh. right? And each of these spaces on your base has different actions. And so let's say I want to activate uh, shooting the aliens, right? Space. So I place it. Uh, and it requires like let's say well it doesn't require five but i want to put a five because five is good right you know it'll shoot for more Uh right uh so i put this five down but then the alien in that column and there will be an alien in that column will move down five spaces towards my base Ah. right so that's tricky but even trickier whilst i roll all five dice for the round at the same time whenever i place a white die yeah. I will take the remaining dice and I am forced to re-roll oh, them. Oh, no. Producing new results. So right? you want to place all the 
black dice first if you want those well, results? Well, if you want those results, or maybe you don't want those results, uh -huh. uh, and then you need to plan, like, hey, which aliens do I want to come down? Because you could land the aliens on a space where you can target your laser fire. You can't just shoot them out of the sky willy-nilly. Sure. They have to be on the space where there's laser fire. And not only that, that laser fire on that space will activate only if it, me if it matches the value on that space. So if the alien is on a like targeting space of a laser with the number four, I have to put at least four on my lasers to activate sure. that space. And that's great. And Are you on a ship? No, you're like, oh. you're on a home base, right? Uh -huh. You're like, uh, you're in a city. You're, and I there's see. different cities, but we'll get into that in a little bit. So let's say I play, the, the alien is on the space with where I could shoot the laser. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, okay, I need to put the four in, in, in that same column mm -hmm. to shoot the laser, put the four. And I realized, wait a minute, that alien is no longer in that space because it immediately uh. moves down. So th there's all kinds of... You know, it's a puzzle. It's a puzzle, yeah. yeah. And there's also spaces where you don't want the aliens to land because they'll make more aliens or the mothership will go down, which is when you lose <laughs> the, the game. There's the mothership, <laughs> right? Which is just a big cardboard tile that da, swallows da, da, everything da, da. as it goes down. Uh -huh. uh, and not only that, not all spaces for you to place dice are accessible. There right. is an excavator space, right? Which is any space on the game board that is beyond the excavator piece. So you can place a dice below where you can't place dice and let's say i place a value six but then the excavator will move towards that uh. die revealing new spaces right okay i enjoyed this puzzle okay. there's all kinds of things to consider you have to have energy to do things uh so you need to power up energy but then you're not shooting the aliens you know uh, -huh. uh but if you're shooting the aliens you're not getting the points which is what you need to win to win the game uh, -huh. uh so th it's a Whatever I'm doing, I always want to do this thing. But whenever I'm doing something, I'm not doing the other thing that I need to be doing. And there's never enough dice. That is essentially the sense of this game. Now, I'm not fully prepared to cover it properly yet. Right. Because there are extra modes. So there's extra cities. Mm -hmm. uh, and the cities are the basis. So, sure. you know, the actions are distributed differently. Yeah. They do different things. And there's also a campaign mode. Ooh. You know, with like extra rules being revealed as you go along. I know nothing about this yet. I haven't explored in the box past that. Uh, just starting scenario that I played a couple of times and enjoyed. But I think, well, this will be an odd criticism, but felt like a very solitary experience, <laughs> which is obviously, it's I guess... It's a solo the, game, It's Esther. a solo game. That's the intended purpose. I'm not sure... Okay, so as a solo game, I have enjoyed it. Uh-huh. But I'm not sure I enjoyed it more than something that wasn't specifically designed as a solo game, but I right. like to play solo anyway. Like Railroad Inc. or something. Like Railroad Inc. or on the other side of the coin, like Too Many Bones, yeah, right? Okay. You know, um, this is... You can play this cooperatively. So next time I play, I could show okay. you the game by we play it together, we make the decisions together. Uh, but but ultimately, it is a solo game, and I will say it feels like a solo game, mm. and that might immediately tell you how you will feel about this game. Either way, looking forward to more of Under Falling Skies from Czech Games Edition, who have provided the review copy. The penultimate game that we played. Uh, Ever in, in yeah ever yeah we're never playing more games no uh, is bonfire oh that's the Stefan Feld game that we mm. played I'm trepidatious about this uh, as always this is the time of the Euro game in the year 
the Essenspiel moment where all the Euro games are coming out and all the people who are excited about Euro games are very excited about Euro games. And my view on Euro games is slightly different. I also like Euro games. I just think there's maybe one good Euro game once every three years or so, you know. Or was, this, this, and was this it for you? I'm, 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 this, this was not it, but I would definitely like to play it more. Uh, which is, I think, at least says something, right? Mm. I don't think this is going to be the Euro game that wows everyone. So I, people who are really into Euro games and will just play the next Euro game that comes out are probably going to be excited about this because I think it does a lot of interesting things. Uh, for me, you know, this is not the year when we got Great Western Trail and A Feast for Odin in the same year. Mm. This, this, this is so far the year where I'm yet to play the the Euro game that excites me. Okay. But I, there's there's a lot to come. But let's talk about Bonfire, who, which comes from Stefan Feld, mm -hmm. and uh, it's about gnomes. Well, <laughs> yeah, I want to I, I want to describe its theme. I was building up the courage. <laughs> Sorry, um, teleporting what, uh, and gnomes. Please. <laughs> Okay. And bonfires. I, I, I was preparing this, right? <laughs> Sorry. So, so Elaine, yeah. the bonfires in the human cities have gone out. Yes. Oh, no. Oh, Thankfully, no. we are not humans. We are, we are gnomes. gnomes. Uh, and as gnomes, we visited these cities with the humans gone now and the bonfires put out. And we said, great, let's relight the bonfires of, I guess, civilization, I think. Sure. I think that's what it means. And and so that's the objective of the game, uh, to relight the bonfires of civilization. of civilization and to send the guardians, I don't know what those are, but we need to send the guardians to the bonfires who can only travel there by, by, teleportation. by teleportation, but also we need to refract the light of the bonfires <laughs> with the magical crystals. <laughs> And and also we send novices to to pray to the every council. to the council. Yeah. yeah, every time we relight the bonfire, they need to go to the council to make sure it's all right to start a bonfire. Right. right. That's, that's so the that's the theme of bonfire, <laughs> which is thematic, not thematic. It ties in because it's nearly bonfire night. Oh yeah, mm. November the fifth. Mm. Yeah, uh, where they burned the parliament down. Yeah. Oh, tried. I, I mean, I don't, I've done the hard part, Elaine. Can you tell us more about the gameplay? <laughs> Have you, though? Yeah, I have. Have you? Oh. That sounded like a lot of nonsense that you just said there, Efka. But the game is its not nonsense. And it's quite its quite a standard Euro game. It like has quite a lot of standard Euro-type themes in it. Or well, it's me a, mechanisms It's in a it. point salad, which is what you expect from right, Stefan Feld, right. right? And then you have a point salad that feels very restrictive, right? Uh, so you have... Uh, as always, another Eurogame trope, an innovative action selection mechanism, yes. right? An action selection mechanism that is tied into tile placement puzzles. Yeah. Uh, so you have spaces for placing tiles, and then you have these fake tiles, which have three symbols on them. Yeah. These symbols correlate to the actions you can take. And when you place a tile in that tile grid, you will get the tiles that are, uh, the action tiles that are depicted on the fate tile yes. of action tiles. And then you can use those to take the actions Themselves. within the game. And if... Here's the twist, right? If, if the second fate tile you place 
overlap symbols with the first one, you also or count... Or is adjacent. Yeah, is adjacent. Yeah. yeah. No, sorry, not overlap. Specifically, yeah. adjacent. You, you create contiguous lines of symbols, basically. Yes. You get extra tiles of that type. Mm. And so whenever you need action tiles uh, to take actions and you specifically have run out almost of action tiles you can place a new play tile get more action tiles but maybe they'll explode and you'll get a whole lot more which if, i if did you, a, a couple of times built yeah. well yeah yeah and it doesn't matter if you get tiles for an action that you don't really want or need to do because you can spend two action tiles as one of any action tile indeed so it works out fine like that. And I ended up with like six at once or something like that and then just spent them on whatever I wanted. It feels like there's different puzzles within this game. Yeah, so different objectives, Different right? objectives yeah. because you have this little tile building puzzle where well, you're trying to... Yeah, the action right, selection yeah. where you're trying to get things next to each other so that you you do it in the most efficient way because there is a limited number of these fate tiles that you can place down. So if you do them all separately then you're not going to get many actions. There is another kind of little puzzle about, um, there is like a, a lake with mm -hmm. islands in it. Yeah. Uh, and you have a boat and that boat will travel around these islands trying to pick up, I don't know what tasks. they're called. Tasks. Tasks in Which the game. Which are basically have free of this resource or... or yeah, you know, something like, like that. Like, have these teleportation tiles or... Or do tasks, collect tasks from two different islands or, or whatever. Yeah. Like it, it's various different things that link in with other parts of the game. So you're basically, you're you're buying into contracts. You're saying, yeah. when you take one yeah, of these, you're contract. saying, I'm going to complete this specific set of tasks during the course of the game. However, just on that point, you don't have to necessarily complete the contract because There's there no penalty. are... Yeah, yeah. there are um, specific specific bonuses that you can get from uncompleted contracts as well oh do you mean so for like completing a different task that says oh take this tile or whatever right yeah yeah that... have have five contracts yeah. you don't need to have completed them all yeah there's also different difficulties of these tasks mm. so you know you you can have a blue tile which is the easiest mm -hmm. type of task uh, the red tile which is harder and the yellow tile which is really hard it will probably take you the course of the game to achieve mm -hmm. uh Obviously, they provide more points and they become the bonfires when you complete them. Yeah, the is, yellow one is the hardest. Yeah, which is so weird. Like, it's like a contract that you've taken and this contract, I've done it. Hey, bonfire. You know, like, let's celebrate by burning things. I don't know. And I, burning the guardian or sending the guardian sending onto the, the guardian. bonfire. I'm, yeah. I'm not quite sure. I'm not sure what happens what to means. the guardian, no, right? Like, maybe that's why he needs to teleport there. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. So he can teleport away or something. I don't I, know. It's weird. But yeah, so... Basically, you're trying to complete these contracts yes. by the end of the game. And here's all I'm going to say. <laughs> you could take the contract and set it on fire. Yeah. Uh, here's all I'm going to say about Bonfire for now. Again, we only played this once. Yes. So, so somewhat first impressions. But I think the, the, the selling points, if you will, are it's a very restrictive game. There yeah. are scarcely enough resources to do the things that you want to do mm -hmm. because doing anything costs one thing or the other. Mm -hmm. You know, you might not have the right action tiles. And whilst you can spend uh, two action tiles as any one action tile and there's wild ones, you're still frequently limited by what you can do. Yes. On top of that, the things that you really want to do often cost resources and there's often really, really, really not enough of them. And so there's that other restriction so you're just sort of bouncing between different things. But the curious thing is that when the end of the game comes, 
it 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 just sort of pounces on you, mm. right? And you feel like you're scrambling to complete all of these little tasks that you sort of set out to achieve and you're probably not quite there yet. And because this is such an efficiency puzzle, I think Bonfire is a game that wants you to know this game very well so yeah, you can estimate can I how much can I achieve in this game and take the right number of things and therefore it's a bit push your luck yeah, right, this. spend your actions as efficiently as possible. I'd say that's the selling point of Bonfire. It does it does give you a countdown timer. When when the end of game mm. is triggered, there is a countdown timer of five. Five rounds. turns. Five right. Turns. Yeah. Normally when you trigger at the end of the game it's like it ends now, or, or you, get a you bonus have a round, right? Round, yeah, like, this is like five rounds, and you need it. Yeah, you need that. That oh, you have five rounds. Oh, you have four rounds. You have three, two, one. You're done. It it lulls you in such a false sense of security because five rounds. <laughs> that's a lot, you know. Like I'll be fine. Oh, oh. Oh, I only have one turn yeah. left. And, what? <laughs> and on top of that, the rule book says things like it is possible to run into situations in the game where you've done everything that you can do, and therefore no more actions are possible. Mm. You can pass for the rest of the game. You'll get like you know bonus points equal to the number of countdown tiles left, and. I'm like, oh, okay, it's, you know, you can, I guess, do a lot in this game. No, no, you can't. No. That's 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 a situation that happens if one person is doing really, really well and everyone else on the table is doing nothing. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, you're not going to encounter that as this noose winds around you very, very quickly. Yeah. Again, it's just first impressions because we have only played it once, but I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Yes. I, I would agree with that. I'm still not smitten with it uh, because I am very picky about, you know, the Euro game sure, that I'm going yeah. to like, if, sure. if, if, if you will. But I did enjoy it. I want to give it more tries. Let's talk about another big, heavy, meaty game. All right. Point Salad. Oh, I see what you did there. It's got no meat in it at all. It, that's the funny part. And it's not big and it's not heavy. Oh, wow. Hey. What a joke. <laughs> I know. Uh, I, I'm going to be fired from No Pun Included. I think jokes, you are, yeah. Uh, but it is a game that we haven't played very much. No, yeah. That's fair. We played it once in February where our friend Matthew Dunstan came around and brought it over. And he's like, try Point Salad. I'm like, mm. okay. We tried it. I, I quite enjoyed it. I was just, this is cleverer than I thought it is. Uh, and so we got our own copy of Point Salad, uh, unlike, uh, oh, yeah, forgot to mention, of course, Bonfire was sent to us by Asmodee UK, uh, and Point Salad is a game we bought ourselves. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah, so I I said to Elaine, Elaine, why don't you just quickly reread re the rules to Point Salad so we refresh ourselves on how to play, and, and then we'll play, we'll play with some Point Salad, we'll enjoy ourselves. And you said, no problem, Efka. I, I'll do this in the jiffy. This game is simple. Uh, I think the audience knows where this is going. Elaine no, got the rules no. wrong. No, she didn't. No, she didn't. She got I, the setup wrong. I was sitting on the floor. The dog was like bimbling around my feet. You were talking to me. I would just come back from walking the dog, mm -hmm. right? And I was trying to set up on the floor. Yeah. Like, and then, try, oh, no, I'm sorry. I got it wrong. So <laughs> what I remembered of Point Salad was that it was a... A salad-themed point salad game yes. of cards that's very simple, right? You collect, like, fruit and veg. And cabbage. Cabbage and whatever, right? Uh, that are cards that just say carrot or 
cabbage or they don't you know, say pepper. they have a picture of they it. have yeah you know <laughs> a, a picture is a thousand words Elaine and and you 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 make sets and also on the back of these cards are scoring conditions yeah. and there's 108 cards in the box and therefore 108 scoring, different, scoring di- conditions. different scoring conditions and I felt like it was a very like sort of oh you know I just I'm just collecting sets oh this is a tight game I'm gonna lose because I don't have enough scoring etc etc so you either take two salad cards or you take a scoring card it's simple that's mm. that's that's mm. it you play out all the cards is done right (laughs) but we now played it and i was like wait a minute this game feels really goes on forever (laughs) wonky and loosey-goosey and it doesn't feel as tight as it was i'm sorry and it turns out that when elaine adjusted the card count for uh, two players she didn't put in 36 cards which was the right number to play i took out 36 cards. yeah which (laughs) left us we played with the rest 72 Sorry. Um, um, please don't fire me for name pun included for my poor jokes and also miss learning the rules. Uh, I'm happy to report that after we've encountered this egregious error, <laughs> we uh, played points out with the correct card count. Yes. And we have very much enjoyed it. Yes. And if you want a quick game of st- stupid pun... Uh, why is it stupid bun? Because it's a point salad game oh, called see. Point Salad. Oh, right, I didn't even yeah, uh, sure. if, if you want that in your life, uh, something to play with a cup of coffee over breakfast uh, with definitely your one of those partner types of games. or family or whatever. Or if you're trying to fill, I don't know, 20 minutes, half an hour. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a great game. It, it's, it's not a, even half an hour. It's 15 minutes. Probably, yeah. yeah you can, it depends how many you're playing with. I don't we, know. We played it whilst we were having a cup of tea and watching yeah. an episode of MASH. That's and true. And the episode of MASH yeah. did not finish. <laughs> no, it didn't. So there um, you go. It's a game, though, that got quite a lot of recognition, I think, last year. Mm-hmm. A lot of people liked the look of it and a lot of people said good things about it. But it was never kind of on our radar. Because of MASH. <laughs> I knew yeah. you, the way you were looking at me then. I was like, you're going to make a MASH joke. Um, but now uh, I understand why people really liked it. Because it's clean. It's simple. Yeah, it has a quick. tightness and tension. Definitely. Like, I, at first I thought, I'm just taking cards. But then I realized, wait a minute. No, I have to watch what your, yes. what your scoring conditions are. What you want. Because there's only six of each vegetable. Yeah. You know, in a two-player game, mm-hmm. uh, as we've discovered are the correct rules, uh, you know, I have to be really, really careful about yeah. what I let go and what I take. It's sweet. It's short. Sweet as an onion, as sweet they say. Sweet as an onion, short as a carrot, yeah. and as juicy as a tomato. There we go. Yes. That's point salad. That's point salad. I would recommend it. Very quickly, the dog just left the room, so we have to finish this segment before <laughs> she tippy taps back in. Games we're looking forward to playing next. I'm looking forward to playing Anno 1800, which is a Martin Wallace game that's based on a video game of the same name that I've not played, uh, that we are playing tonight mm-hmm. on Tabletopia. The, the board game, not the video game. The board game, yeah, with John from Jonkins Games, mm-hmm. the previous co-host of the previous podcast on this podcast feed. What? I know, mind-blowing, isn't it? Uh, So this is uh, only available in German right now, Mm -hmm. uh, but will be available in English in spring. However, from what I hear, you you can just buy the German copy. It's language independent. The rules are translated on BoardGameGeek, so if you're interested, you can keep an eye out for that. Or even if you want to buy it, you can get it from Amazon.de. Cosmos, the publisher, are sending us a review copy. So I'm very much looking forward to this. I don't really know what I'm looking forward to, Efka. I know we've got a few games that we are going to be playing i think uh, it's called on the docket 
Yeah, like we have Smartphone Inc. Yes. We have Merv. Yes. Uh, and we have Halital. All free Euro games from free from from, <laughs> Euro games. from the time of year that's called Euro games. Uh huh. It's post S and Euro games. Yes. Mm -hmm. So so we're going to be playing a lot of those in the times to come. Are you feeling grumpy, Efka? Oh my! Am I feeling grumpy? What are you feeling about grumpy? No. Uh, what are you feeling grumpy about? Well. Uh, you might like to know that this is becoming the audience favorite segment. Uh, ah. Even Rodney Smith himself wrote in to say that he very much enjoyed some of my grumps. Wow. I'm not going to say which ones, wow. but he enjoyed some of the grumping. Elaine, today I'm going to be grumping about myself. Ah, oh. oh, please don't. No. What do you mean no? no. I, I, I am at fault, Elaine, and okay. I deserve to be grumped at. Okay. I, I made the gravest error. As a board game reviewer, and that gravest error was to convince myself that I like a bad game. Oh. And, and, and that bad game, this is going to upset a lot of people, is Cartographers. So Cartographers is a game that uh, a lot of people revere. Uh, it's even been nominated for the prestigious Kennespiel des Jahres. Oh, wow. It is a roll and write game where you're drawing polyamino shapes onto a grid and... It's meant to be like you're exploring fantasy lands. Yes. There's monsters and stuff. Various seasons. Anyway, I, I, I played this initially some time ago. Yeah. And I thought, I really don't like this. And then what started happening was like all these reviews started coming out of all, all the praise for cartographers and the Kennespiel nomination. And I thought, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe, maybe there's something to this. I must investigate. I didn't stick with my guts. Mm. I, 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 I started buying into the hype, you know, and I started feeling like, yeah, I like this game. I even played along on one of the Twitch streams that streamed, you know, how they do the roll and ride play along Twitch streams. I, I played cartographers on mm -hmm. one of those. Mm -hmm. I was ready there with my sheet, excited to play. And your pen. And my pen, you know, my coloring pens. Coloring pens. Because it's different colors of poly polyamino ships that you're drawing. I had coloring pens, Elaine, that you lent me. And I was, I was drawing and I was thinking that I was happy. Whereas the entire time I was actually not happy uh, because I don't think Cartographers is a very good game. And so you're upset with yourself yes. for being swayed as a reviewer yes. by other people's yes. excitement. Exactly, right? And I think people will be upset with me if I don't say why I don't think Cartographers is a good game. So very briefly, a brief review of Cartographers on the Epka Grumps again. Um, Cartographers has a problem. And that problem is the identity problem, because I don't think it knows what it wants to be, right? Now, for me, what a good roll and write game is, and a standard representative of the genre, uh -huh. is that sense of just one more go, just one more try, and hopefully the right thing will come out. You know, you're pushing your luck. It's the one-armed bandit. You know, when we did our initial video about roll and write games, yes. you know, I compared it to the one-armed bandit, yeah. that sort of sense of just pulling the trigger one more time and maybe the gods maybe of fate will... Maybe this will be the jackpot. Yeah, right? You know? And Cartographers is so absent of that, right? Because uh, what it does is it borrows the scoring mechanism from Isle of Sky. So mm -hmm. there are four scoring mechanisms mm -hmm. and four rounds. There's four random cards that say you will score things for these things. So it might say, well, if you have, uh, you know, blue and yellow buildings... Uh, that are not next to each other, not next to the edges, you will score three points for each of these 
buildings and you know uh you, you can conjoin the blue buildings by multiple blue shapes that you draw together into they're not buildings they're like regions territories right yeah and and so that's cool and you have four of these and each round you will score a set so in round one you will score the a and b one in round mm -hmm. two you'll score the b and c mm -hmm. in round three c and d and, and, a and, D, or... and then A and D, right? And that's a mechanism that worked in Isle of Sky, mm -hmm. right? But what it does is it takes a very Euro game scoring mechanism and bolts it onto a roll and write. A roll and write. And I don't think it bolts it on thoughtfully. And that's my problem with it. Because what ends up happening often, you just run out of things to do that are interesting. And you're thinking to yourself, well, I could draw this, but this is meaningless. Mm. I could draw this, but this is meaningless. I could draw this. Because those scoring conditions have come and gone. Yet the cards of what you're going to draw this turn, you know, come out and say, these are the options. And you look at those options and go, well, that's pointless, literally and figuratively, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I felt this sort of sense of tedium creep in. <laughs> As I played it. I mean, that's what you want in a game, isn't it? Tedium. Right, exactly. And and I, I understand why people like cartographers. Yeah. Uh, because it's a roll and write game. And roll and write games are great. But in my mind, there are a lot of other roll and write games that are just better. They just provide more excitement, the, more zhuzh. What about the monster mechanism in it? Oh, I don't care for the monster mechanism. I don't care for taking someone's sheet and ruining their fun, right? <laughs> but it doesn't bother me. Uh, so there's a mechanism where you like you draw negative scoring areas and then the person who gets the sheet back has to surround it. So you take someone else's sheet and basically drop drop a dookie on it. Yeah. And, and <laughs> figuratively. Figuratively, yeah. And I, I'm fine. I, I get where that's coming from. I'm fine with that. I don't love it, you know, but that's, that's not my problem with the game, right? Yeah. My problem with the game is that it's just it, the scoring isn't very interesting you know like in in railroad inc you know the scoring is much simpler but even on the last round i'm like ah the dice roll will it give me the thing that i need and then it rolls and you're like ah it didn't but i can make i can still make something work uh -huh. right something here you know let's figure it out in cartographers you flip a card and you go well it doesn't really matter and that i find very disappointing and that's why i don't think cartographers is a very good game. Is that your official review? That's my official review on Cartographers, the beloved popular game that I've just tarnished. Now, Elaine, we come to the moment where normally you would balance out my grumpiness with Elaine ungrumps a game. Yeah. But today you're grumpy and you said to me you will be grumping a game as well. How does that work? Well, Double grump? Well, the thing is, right, so it started off as an ungrump but then but then you got grumpy but then i looked into it more and i started getting more and more grumpy about it now wow. it, this is this is something that i guess i don't talk about a lot mm -hmm. it's to do with representation in board games right. right and and not just within the game itself but within a gaming group of, mm -hmm. of people what the original ungrump about a game was going to be was was a kind of general like i try and keep these these things more general sometimes yeah a general kind of thank you to publishers and designers who have considered putting not just men on the front of their board games mm -hmm. if the game is about more than just a man mm -hmm. that if it's about farmers there's women farmers there's non-binary farmers whatever like i was just wanting to do a Different general characters right general yeah. blanket thank you to everybody that has considered that when they're making their game right because um 
I don't delve into internet threads very often because, you know, they're, they're always a, um, a mishmash, mishmash yeah. of, of good and bad. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes, you know, they, you read them and they just make you angry. The things that are supposed to be supportive end up being divisive. But I have found uh, a few threads recently that talk about things like, what games would you recommend for women? And Oh, no. Oh, no. And things like that. What, what games do you think women are better at? Or, oh, no. Or how do you find uh, women in your game group play differently from men in your game group? And, oh, no. And well, the answer to the first two, I would say, is the games... Uh-huh. The second one, the games, <laughs> the games. and 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 the third one, I, 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 it's not the same for. I can't say the games anymore because you formulated the question differently. That's your fault. You're sure? Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. not my fault now. <laughs> That's my fault. <laughs> but the games. But, so, so the reason I kind of looked into them was because I wanted to maybe burn come yourself up, with fire. Well, maybe come up with a list of games that did have good representation in them. And there are a lot, right? Mm-hmm. One that we spoke about on the, the podcast, uh, Forgotten Waters, has has great representation in mm-hmm. it. And I wanted to come up with a, a nice list to say thank you to, to people for, to, mm-hmm. to be part of the Ungrumps. But the more I looked into it, the more I found these kinds of threads. Right. And it really really annoys me so much it, because it it drives me mad like i've a slight aside from board games i i was reading a book called uh, wayfinding which mm-hmm. is all about um how to how your brain kind of works in m- making maps of yeah. areas right and there's this whole thing about which i think most people know about which is you know there's that whole stereotype of women can't read maps and is men, there? Yeah. I'm not familiar Women with are this. less good at reading maps and men are less good at multitasking and, and things like that. Like, the, the book explored that a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Because it, the book is about how your brain creates maps of places. And the whole thing, and, you know, people quite, it's a bit like the stupid, what is it, the, the why you add an hour to the clocks for the farmers being nonsense, right? Yeah. People say that it's because, like, oh, when we were hunter-gatherers, you know, the the men went out to hunt so they could map the area and women went out to collect berries so they were better at multitasking because they were doing this and that and the other. And it's absolute gibberish, right? It's absolute nonsense. But but it's it's one of those things that people have in their heads. Like it's it's absolutely persisted and persisted. Culturally. Culturally, absolutely. And the only reason that there are fewer women in STEM Mm. is because we are told as children that boys are better at it. So it makes us less likely to want to pursue it. Yeah, you you, you're seeking it you're not seeking it out because you're like you were told you're not meant to right, seek it out. Right. It's almost like that's not your destiny. Your destiny is something else, right? Who, who who came up with that? That is a complete oversimplification of the whole thing. I realize that. Yes. Like and, and my three sentences about it do not represent 
everything that is going on in that world. I, I, I understand that because some people are good at some things and some people are good at other things. Mm. And but we are told we that we have to fit into these stupid boxes when we are kids. Um, and what annoyed me about those threads specifically was that all those threads, nobody in those threads seemed to go, what on earth are you talking about? Why are you saying these things? Like <laughs> everyone was going, well, I think games for women are, are about things like it's the themes, maybe about knitting or blah, blah. And I'm, yeah. I'm just, it, nobody was going, why are you saying this? Mm. Like I thought we were past that. Or, or at least getting past that. At least there there would be some some resistance to these kinds of things, and it just annoyed me so very much that what the the thing that I wanted to start with was thank you a thank you to people who design board games or but publish the board games. But deeper you went in for putting uh, women, not white people, on the front of a box when that game is about farming yeah, or yeah, whatever like that game is about. Different representation, right? Different representations, different, right? Uh, races, sexualities, genders, right? Right, yeah. right, exactly. Because because as much as, you know, I think most sensible people can kind of look past the person on the front of the box, right, mm-hmm. as to whether that game is going to be for them, we, are, we do still judge the book by its cover, right? We still mm. look at a game and go, is that game for me? Before we even look at the rules or look at what the game is about fully. And, and if we are not seeing ourselves or our friends or our families represented within those games, then subconsciously we are less likely to seek out those games. Absolutely. Or, look, or delve further. That game might be brilliant, but we won't give it a chance in a subconscious way, as readily, because we think there is that barrier there. It just drives me absolutely potty that that we are still in a time where, you know, you go into a supermarket or whatever, well, maybe no one goes into supermarkets now, but you go somewhere and it says, like, boys' toys, and it has trains and action men or whatever, and it has girls' toys, and it has my first kitchen or something. Yeah. Like, what? Like, uh, why Why are we perpetuating that within within the board game community? <laughs> my original disgrums yeah. uh, about a board game was to thank people who do look at that kind of thing, and I do appreciate that kind of thing, because even though it seems like a small thing, mm. and a lot of people go, well, you shouldn't worry about it. Like, yeah. just, just because it's got a man on the box or whatever, mm. why does that mean you can't play? You should look past that. But when that happens over and over and over and over again in your life, and consistently and continuously, you are told that you are not welcome in this part of the community, it gets to you. Like and, and not just board game community, in your whole life, you're told, why are you playing with that boy to- boy's toy? Mm. Why are you wearing that boy's clothing? Or the other way around, you know, why, why is that boy wearing girl's clothing? Whatever. It just drives me up the wall that, that we continue to perpetuate this, this line, this divide between people. And I wish that it would stop. I think that's a good way to end it. So the other day I wake up and I go downstairs and I see you playing a board game by yourself. This has never happened in my life. Now, I know you love board games, but you definitely don't love solo board games. Not so much. But no. here you are playing the ID Ventures standalone escape room one and done thing, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that's called Sherlock Holmes something, 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 uh-huh. I believe, right? <laughs> okay, yeah. That's all I know about this. Yeah. Please tell us more about your standalone one and done escape room like puzzle puzzle deduction. deduction 
Uh, I think you're talking about the unsolved case of Holmes, which is an ID Ventures game. So it's a what is ID Ventures, please? ID Ventures is a series of games that are puzzle deduction games. One and right? done. One and done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they are replayable, though, but by other people. Mm-hmm. So you can pack it up and give it to someone else. So we played one before. It was like an escape room that we thought was one of the most convoluted escape room yeah. games we've ever played. Uh, is is this anything like that? Yeah. Is this, yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> so... I asked that because I saw you spend like four hours on oh, it. Oh, well, so I've never played a unlock or exit or any other puzzle deduction one one and and done done, whatever it's called game on my own Uh and there is a reason (laughs) for that (laughs) i discovered because they're hard right um because you know like when we're playing together or as a group there's Mm. always bits that one of us will get stuck on and one of us will just go well it's like this simple right yeah some of it we'll all be like putting our brains together to work out but mostly one person manages to solve something in in a good decent amount of time so then I got to these puzzles that I couldn't do and I was just so stuck anyway this game um the unsolved case of Holmes there's some flim flam at the beginning about like why you need to do it I skipped mostly over that well Holmes hasn't solved Um, it so yeah he's not solved it you only have I think an hour and a half to solve it before he comes back and solves it I think (laughs) you definitely (laughs) failed at that I think that's the the thing yeah it took me three hours it took me a total of three hours so it's a game that you have an app companion with Mm -hmm. um, and you put in uh, you can either do it on um, normal mode or expert mode I think the expert Expert mode gives you fewer clues and stuff like that. It gives you fewer hints, right? Uh, if you ask for them, but you can through the app uh, get hints, and it does time you. But it does say on it you don't have to play it on the timed mode. You can just play it. But there's no way of turning the timer off. So even if you're <laughs> ignoring the timer, it's still there, blinking at you, going, "Come oh, on!" No. Uh, I was ignoring the timer, but when it yeah. reaches zero, it goes red and and like starts counting up so it tells you you've you've exceeded the time limit by this much so that's pretty stressful this game does not feel like unlock or exit or Mm. any of those types of games they don't it doesn't feel like an escape room game it feels like a meteor puzzle game where you are I mean, it feels like the other ID Ventures game mm-hmm. where you are kind of the investigator and you're yeah. being given a crime case almost. Right, right, right. right. Um, it, it, I'm not doing any spoilers here. Like, it's mm. Sherlock Holmes. You know, there's there's different puzzles with the crime case. You're being given this crime case and you, you've been given some evidence and now solve the puzzles, right? And there are certain, like, envelopes that it will tell you to open at certain points, mm-hmm. but I don't know if this was a, a, a feature of the the translation or if this was just something that the game missed out, but it didn't quite make it clear when you were supposed to open some of the envelopes or what you were supposed to look at at once. Mm-hmm. So when I opened the box, I spent the first, like, 20 minutes trying to solve a puzzle, not really knowing what I was supposed to be looking at in order to solve this puzzle. Right. And then I eventually looked at Hint because I thought, I literally don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here. Like, mm. it's not just that I can't solve a puzzle. It's that I don't know what I'm supposed to be looking at. So I looked at the Hint and it was like, we'll do this. And I was like, oh, okay. So I am supposed to be looking at the things that it's given me here, but it doesn't make that clear. Mm. So, and there are times also when 
it, it does it does make it quite evident that you probably will have to go back and look at evidence from the past, right? But it doesn't always it doesn't always make it clear what that is gonna be. Mm. So so sometimes you're stuck on a puzzle thinking that you've got the right thing and actually you haven't, but you don't want to waste time looking at everything because you don't want to start almost solving puzzles before you're supposed to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I understand. You're you're sort of listless, I guess. A little bit. Yeah, when you start this, you're not given enough direction and the puzzles are complicated. Yes, And very, you're not sure where you're meant to be going mm. and what you're meant to be doing. I remember we played the previous thing from Mighty Ventures. It was something about a crime. And yeah. I, I remember there were like, like files that we had to yeah. look at, right? Yeah, you yeah. know, like mountains of information and we had to do like actual detective work. Sure. And whilst it felt like... You know, in terms of, like, complexity, it felt compelling. Mm. But in terms of, like, uh, structure as a game, it felt all over the place. Yeah. And I'm guessing this feels the same way? A little bit. Um, I think what they're trying to create... So, you know, when you play um, Sherlock Holmes Consultant Detective mm -hmm. or something like that, you, you have, like, the newspaper article. And you don't really know what you're looking for in that newspaper article. But you know there's probably something in there to do with something in the yeah. case, right? Um, and it feels a little bit like that, but you've got a lot more in that box. That Whereas with that, you've got like a paper article, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And you just have to find the bits that are relevant. Mm -hmm. You've got a lot of stuff in there that you're not quite sure which bits are relevant to which puzzle. Mm -hmm. and, and the other thing about the app is that it doesn't always tell you what type of answer it wants. So, you know, like when you play um, Unlock, if... If you want, if it wants a code, it's always a four-digit code, and yeah, it's going to be numbers. Yeah, or exit, you want three symbols or numbers yeah, together. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. You're not quite sure what it's looking for, and and I spent a long time inputting an answer, and going, oh, why isn't this working? Like, what what am I getting wrong? And looking at the puzzle again, and trying to find a different answer, and going, oh, maybe it's this then, and putting that in, still wrong. And it was because I had the the type of answer wrong that it wanted. It wanted the name of X and I was putting in the name of Y, mm. right? And that annoyed me a little bit because I spent a long time doing that because it didn't that. make yeah. it clear exactly what it wanted. And I think that might, again, be a translation issue because some of the wording in the app isn't particularly clear. Right. Here's a question that mm. I have, and this is a very obvious and, you know, straightforward question. Mm. I, considering the fact that you enjoy almost all of these types yes. of games you know yes. um I, I get a very clear picture of what your struggles and frustrations were would you recommend this to people and and who would you recommend it to like do you think you had a good enough time to warrant yeah. all these frustrations did you yeah okay. i do i do i think unless you are an really excellent at solving puzzles then it might be better to play it as a group and i think you'll have more fun playing it as a group because you can bounce off ideas uh, from each other mm -hmm. you can discuss things you can go well it might be this or it might be this or someone might spot something that you haven't spotted um, or they their brain just might go well it's it's clear we need to look at this evidence right yes or they might just find something you haven't and I think that is fun for me which I didn't realize how much I like that part of the escape type game room thing one and done one and done deduction. puzzle deduction is the actual interaction that you have around the table between everybody working on this together. Oh, because you were doing it on your own. Because I was like doing it on my own, it. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it wasn't that it was too hard. So, because I think it was all the puzzles were fairly logical and mm -hmm. it was just that I missed that interaction. I think what it does differently 
um, it take. I think it takes a minute to get into it. If you have only done the escape room type games like Unlock and Exit, it takes you a minute to get into it, or even Deckscape or something, it takes you a minute to get into it because it's a very different type of puzzle. It is m- a little bit more like the Sherlock Holmes consulting detective where there's evidence. And there's no now. Na- there's no bouncing narrative. Like, sh- I mean, I'm, no, there's, yeah. there's not. No, yeah. that's, okay. that's true. There's not, there's mm-hmm. not that kind of um, choose your own adventure type thing where you go yeah. to see who you want to talk to. It's more like this is a mystery solving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but you get the sense of you're the detective. Here's the evidence. Now solve the case, mm. right? Like it's very much, whereas those other games are a, a lot more linear. I think um, this is a lot more, like I guess, gives you the sense of being like a real detective would be. You know, that's it, cool. I a, can appreciate that. A real that, detective yeah. wouldn't wouldn't be like handed evidence neatly one piece <laughs> at a time to solve this part of the puzzle. Yeah. Um, but if you're not used to that, it does take your brain, I think, a minute to to get into it to work out how to do it but i would i would recommend it yeah once again the name of this is the unsolved case of homes and that's some it's called id ventures as well and Uh it's something we've purchased ourselves Mm -hmm. elaine i'm very excited to talk about our feature game the search for planet x by ben rossett and matthew o'malley published by renegade games review copy provided by no one at all <laughs> uh, uh, we bought it ourselves, is what I mean. Uh, so, The Search for Planet X is a deduction game. And when we say deduction game, we don't mean like the one and done puzzle deduction game. No. We mean <laughs> escape room alike. Uh, we mean a deduction in that sense of okay. Let's 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 jump back in time a little bit. It's like let's, a logic puzzle. Don't ruin it for me. Oh, I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna wistfully reminisce about my youth. <laughs> Back in the day of Soviet Union, oh, no. uh, there was little Efka with his head full of hair and, and dreams of one day becoming a professional board game reviewer. Whilst other children said, I want to be a cosmonaut or oh. I want to be a scientist or a doctor. I said, I want to review things in a niche hobby. <laughs> Critically, is, is this the same little Efka that uh, swung a bag of jars on the way home from the shops and broke them all? <laughs> yeah, when I was five years old, I said, Mum. I'm going to the shops. I'm going to buy milk and other groceries. I bought some milk, but because I was not tall enough to carry the milk, (laughs) the shopping bag was being dragged along the cement. And when I got back home, it was bud glass and no milk. Um, So, yeah, that was me. One day, I discovered this little booklet magazine Mm -hmm. thing. I had crosswords, which I thought were rubbish because I was like six and I didn't know words. I, I also discovered like other kinds of things like connect the dots, which I also thought were rubbish because you just connect the dots and then it's done. Oh, yeah, it's a picture, whatever. Right. Wow. Uh, but amongst them, there was this grid and it gave me facts. Uh-huh. But the facts were missing information. Uh-huh. But it told me that if I put those facts together, I would be able to logically deduce Wow. All of the information in that grid. And that's the kind of deduction we are talking about here. Yes. Soviet Union broken milk jar deduction. Indeed. So Search for Planet X is a board game in the proud genre of deduction games. Yeah. There have been more than one. Uh, the popular ones lately have been Alchemists mm-hmm. and Cryptid. Mm-hmm. Um, the Search for Planet X is, is the next one in that line. And I say the next one in that line, even though it's nothing like the other two, mm. it is... Once again, 
a competitive deduction game. Mm -hmm. And this is something we're going to be talking about when we discuss the search for planet X. But let's let's give you a briefer overview of what it is You're and what you do. do. In Search for Planet X, you are given... It's an app companion game. So yes. in the app, you must both have... Anyone that's playing must have the app. And on whatever kind of device. On whatever kind, yeah, you can have it on a computer or a phone or mm -hmm. a tablet mm -hmm. or a, I don't know, typewriter, whatever. I don't know. Uh, a CRT microwave, television. Microwave, whatever. <laughs> in the app, what you will do is you will start a new game and you will both join that same game it will give you a seed which is a like a coded yeah word yeah no word letter number kind of thing and Com you'll, yeah like yeah. a um like a password kind yeah of thing. like you'll input that and you'll be both playing, so the, you'll same be playing the same game yeah. so what it will do there is a kind of a circular grid of i think 18 uh, sections 18 sections in the expert mode right. 12, 12 sections, sections in the, in the normal the mode normal mode okay yeah. so there's a grid of a circular sections of space of space and you have to try and find where planet x is in one of those um slices of the grid right can i before yeah. we continue can i give people a little bit of an idea uh what actually planet x is so yeah. if you're not familiar, this is this is a movement in you know space astronomy sciences. You know that there is an idea that there is a a ninth planet out there that we haven't found, and that there's evidence oh. enough to support that it exists. So what is the issue is that we can't see very well outside of the sort of like seeable regions of our solar system. Mm -hmm. So our solar system extends further than we can observe it. We we can't observe some of it. We just can't observe. It well right. so one of the things for example we've discovered is that there's an outer layer of asteroids mm -hmm. around around our solar system wow. right and there's a lot of them there's like right. a, a lot a lot a lot of asteroids right um but the problem with those asteroids is that their movement is peculiar right mm -hmm. and doesn't really exactly explain itself ah. uh, and so there's a lot of mathematics that says basically if there was a planet mm -hmm. in there... Mm -hmm. That would explain why they move as they do. Exactly, right? right. And, and so even though we don't know that there is a planet 9, or planet X as it's called, even though we don't know um, how it looks like or what it is, we can tell a lot of facts about it. Mm -hmm. For example, mm -hmm. uh, if it does exist, they think that it would be like five times uh, the size of Earth, mm -hmm. right? Uh, which is fascinating that we, we can't see this thing. We don't know if it's there. Right. But we know its size. Why is... Oh, because of how it pulls the asteroids. Yeah, exactly. Do they know if they think it's rock or ice or gas um, or... Well, they think it's probably solid, yeah. Right. Yeah. Hey, that's cool. I know, right? So that is the planet that you're looking for in this game. Yeah. If, uh, by the way, actual astronomers, if I talk nonsense here, I apologize. <laughs> I don't know anything about astronomy. I just known about this thing as know, a layman from previous times. You've watched enough CBS Space Time to know something, I'm sure. I think I think I learned about this from Veritasium and other channels, but sure, yes. Okay. Yeah, so you are looking for that mysterious um, planet. Mm -hmm. um, but in those other areas of space, there are other things like the asteroids or gas clouds or a comet. And with this app, what this app will do is it will place uh, planet X in one of these yes. grids, in one of these slices of the grid. And it will also place where all the asteroids are and glass clouds and blah, blah, blah. And then it will give you some clues. And depending on whether you play it on like, I think it's called, is it called like 
child mode or something where it gives you the most <laughs> clues. Um, Beginner or be- whatever. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, it has a funnier term than Does that. Does it really? Okay. Um, but then like an expert mode, it doesn't give you any clues, but beginner mode, it gives you quite a few clues. And as you said, you know, it's that kind of logic puzzle. It will say that an asteroid is not next to a gas cloud mm. and it will give you these clues. And then you have certain like rules that are in every game. So, uh, for example, asteroids are always in groups of two together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if there's an asteroid in one slice, there will be an asteroid in either the left or the right slice next to it uh so it will give you these clues and then as you go through the game you will um be able to do various different things like you will be able to move around this circular grid and you will be able to kind of try and find out what is in the different sections of space but you can only one of the restrictions of it is that you can only look in certain sections of space that are visible at that time so as as you go a brilliant mechanism thematically and yeah. and, and and the way it works in the game because um not only are you restricted to spaces but you often have to like plan out in advance like the sort of information you're going to be learning based right. on what you already know right right parts I, will be covered up exactly uh, right? and, and they won't be accessible because like the earth has moved or whatever and you can't see that bit of the space anymore i don't know mm-hmm. and and yeah you will try and find that where planet X is by logical deduction. And there are different types of uh, conferences as well uh, in the game that you can find out general information about asteroids or or gas clouds or whatever. Well, the conferences are always about something that's related directly to planet X. And What am I talking about? Not conferences. Um, what are the things that are like A, B, C, D, E? Right, okay. Uh, so they're, they are... Um, I can't remember. Lectures or something? I can't, I can't remember, remember the, name, the name for it, but you can, you can find out, like, inf- give me information about asteroids and gas clouds. Yeah. And, it'll and it will say, be general information. Yeah, yeah. I think there was, it's called research or sure. something Sure. Oh, like yeah, that. research. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah. So uh, to give it a bit more body, right, there's effectively... Um, a couple of things you can do in terms of actions. But whenever you do actions, it costs you time, Mm. right? And that time is not only uh, determining how many actions you can take until the other player uh, takes an action. And it works in a similar way like in 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 those rondel type of games where the person that's behind is always the one that's taking the yeah. action. So if I'm two spaces ahead of Elaine, uh, if Elaine only takes one time, she will move one space, she can have another action mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. she'll shoot over me and it'll be my turn, mm-hmm. right? And so and different types of actions have a different time cost. Like if you want to if you want to do some research and learn more about gas clouds and asteroids, uh, that's only going to cost you one time, mm-hmm. right? However, you can uh, you can scan sectors, which is something where you take a range of sectors, and it's your choice how many yeah. you want, and it's going to cost you time depending on how many sectors you choose. The more sectors you choose, the less time it costs yeah. you because your research isn't uh, pinpointing. Pinpointing, it's mm. na- it's it's mm. it's uh, wide, you know. Mm. So you're not learning a lot of information. And the way that usually works in the game is you'll pick, like, say, sectors. Uh, four to eight, which is four uh-huh. sectors, which means it's going to cost me free time. Five sectors. Five to, it's still free time. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and I'll say, tell me how many comments, you yeah. know, and, and it'll, and it'll say, say there's one comet yeah. in these sectors. Yeah, right. The other thing you can do, and you can only do this twice per game, mm-hmm. is you can say, tell me what's in this sector. Mm-hmm. And it'll tell you what's in that sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the one exception, you can never find Planet X like that mm. because... 
whenever you scan or like do this actual tell me what's in this sector, Planet X always comes up as an empty, empty space. space. And there's a number of empty spaces, right? Mm -hmm. So that's not very useful if you spend your twice per game ability yes. and you just get empty space and you're like, well, this could be Planet X or this could be nothing, <laughs> right? Uh, but at least you can cross out everything else mm -hmm. uh, on, on that section. You're always learning more information. Mm -hmm. You're learning more logic rules that mm -hmm. are tied to this game. So when you do research, just to expound on that a little bit, it, it will be specifically a logic rule that's unique to this game. So it will say, uh, in this game, uh, gas clouds are never directly opposite yeah. asteroids, yeah. right? And you're like, ah, oh, okay, I can work in this rule into my deduction yeah. and eliminate more information, right? So you're going along this sheet of yours because you have a sheet, mm -hmm. personal sheet that represents the, the entire grid. And you're going, okay, well, there can't be a gas cloud in there because uh, that's opposite an asteroid so mm -hmm. i can cross out a gas cloud mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. oh this isn't a gas cloud which means this has to be this yeah, thing yeah, yeah. and so on and on and on right yeah you go through working it out piece by piece so here's the thing elaine i love deduction games mm -hmm. right i i love them very dearly because i love the activity of of doing deducing mm -hmm. you know that that brings a lot of joy to my heart <laughs> it's very i don't know what it is it's just very pleasurable it's, it's like, satisfying isn't yeah it? i'm, I'm yeah. you know unraveling a snarl and and it's it's my brain that's making those connections mm. going bounce bounce mm. bounce bounce oh my god <laughs> i can put these things together ah it's so satisfying and i guess i'm going to enter this uh review yeah by saying first of all I love the search for Planet X, mm -hmm. but I love it, and this is going to come across wrong, I love it as something to do. I don't love the game part of it. Okay. Uh, and by that, I specifically don't want to be the person that says, this is an activity, not a game, because, sure? because it is a game. Yeah. It's, it's a perfectly cromulent, well-formulated game. I just don't it like works. the game part of it. Yes. Right? That's fair. And I would, straight up, going to say right now, Highly recommend the search for Planet X. Yeah. But what it made me realize is that I don't think that you can make a competitive deduction game that will ever satisfy me or that will ever work in terms of determining who wins this game. Mm. Because here's the problem, right? So someone has to win this. I'm playing against you. You're playing against me. One of us has to win. Sure. How do we determine who that is? Is it just the person who's better at deducing? Because I think deducing, much like memory, is just a skill. Some people are better at it. Some people are worse at it. How do you quantify that? Who's mm -hmm. the, who is the best deducer? The search for Planet X goes a long way to try to create a cohesive system. And so far, the best system that I've seen sure. for that type of game, it's better than Cryptid, because yeah. Cryptid is literally, who's going to get there first? <laughs> yes. Alchemist is like, there's a heavy Eurocane bolted onto this. Just live with it. No, don't want to. Whereas the search for Planet X lets you make wild guesses and hope that you'll score points yeah, from them. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Right? And that's kind of neat. And it, it introduces an extra variable into the game. So as the disk of space moves along in terms of which, which part of space is lit up, uh -huh. right? I guess it's the sun, right? Oh, uh -huh. The disk of space, uh -huh. yeah. Uh, oh yeah, there's a sun, right? Yeah, there's yeah, a sun yeah, in the yeah, center. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it it eventually reaches publishing theory spaces, mm -hmm. and at that point, the game says you have some tokens behind the screen. Do you want to guess what's in this sector? Mm. Right, 
And and you can make a guess. You can say, well, I think in sector two, there's a comet. But I don't say that out loud. No, I just you secretly put, a, put that token that you think it is on that sector of yeah. the space. But every time a new uh, publishing theory space is reached and we publish new theories, the existing tokens will slide down towards the sun. Yes. And once they reach that... Once they reach the sun. <laughs> once they reach the sun, uh, the brightness of the sun will reveal the theory. Yes. I'm joking. They, That's they not the actual theory. They will be illuminated. Yeah. Uh, and we will all know whether that's correct or not correct. Mm. And so it will provide more information... To some of us. To some of us, right? But that information in and of itself, in terms of winning the game, isn't particularly useful. It's no. useful towards solving the puzzle of where Planet X I'm is. And getting points. Yeah, but... Well, no, like, if you if you guessed correctly already, yeah, yeah. you will have already gotten the points for that. Mm. Once it slides down, no one's getting points for it anymore. Oh, it's no, people I see what you mean. Yeah, right? Yeah, okay. it's, it's useful towards solving the puzzle, but the, solving the puzzle doesn't mean you'll win the game. No. Having the most points means you'll win the game. And so there's a couple of things you get points for in this game. So, number one is theories, yes. which you have published, yes. uh, hopefully correctly, yes. about the things where they are. And the second is who got to guessing where Planet X is faster. And if you weren't the first person, how far away your token was from the other person? Can you guess where Planet X is? No. Well, then you won't get any points, but you can get some points for publishing extra theories. You also do have to know what is either side of Planet X. You can't yeah. just go, well, there's Planet X. Right. You, you have to go, well, that's an asteroid. That's Planet X. That's a gas cloud. Sure. So it doesn't just let you make a wild guess. You, <laughs> yes. You know, yeah, you, you have to actually know. But the, the, the problem that I have is just trying to quantify who wins this game by not saying who solved this puzzle faster, but sort of saying who solved this puzzle faster, yeah. who knew more information about it. Or who made the right guess. But it also blends it to, to sort of even it out with like odd bits of randomness. Where you can just get really lucky and guess things. And mm. we played this a bunch of times. I've won this game every single time mm. against you. And yes. uh, we, <laughs> we played three times. Yeah, we yeah. played three times. Yeah, I play, I, I've won this game every single time against you. And you always said to me, no, no, no. That's because you're better at deduction. Yeah. And I always said, no, no, no. I took a crap shot on guessing what's in this thing and I was right. Yeah, I'm and, too cautious. Yeah, and that sort of propelled me along the way. And so every time I finished a game of Search for Planet X, I was entirely ecstatic about having to unravel this puzzle and finding mm. where the planet X is. And I, that felt great. And I was always dismayed about, well, who actually won this game? Because the points say I did. But I don't feel like I did, and you don't feel like you did, and we don't feel like that for different well, reasons. No, I, I felt like you won it. Well, I feel like Quite you. Handily. I feel like you. See, that's the thing. I disagree with you. I feel like I got lucky on a couple of guesses, whilst you were actually doing like deduction work. Yeah, but that's that's part of the game, isn't it? Just having that bit of. Um, push your luck almost mm -hmm. that that you you take a punt on things that's what publishing theories is like people like scientists publish theories and they don't know a hundred percent that this theory no, is, right, is okay. correct right no, but then then other scientists look at the theory and and they explore it and and that scientist themselves explores it and they try and prove it or disprove it and that's how it works that's that's what is happening in the game I, that's a brilliant observation, and I'll give you that, that that thematically works really well. I just think I have a problem with deduction as a competitive 
Sure, that's okay. Like, idea to begin with. I feel like it's it's an activity you always want to do together. Like, I, I like competing against you in games. Mm. But when I was sitting down and playing The Search for Planet X... I so wholeheartedly wished that there was some sort of a co-op mode where where <laughs> yeah. we could just try and solve this puzzle together. I Give us less clues, yeah, right? Make fun. it hard. I want to play against, not against you, I want to play together with you because inherently I feel like in real life, you don't so much, I guess you compete as a scientist, like, oh, I want to yeah, get yeah, there yeah. first, you yeah. know. But, but even yeah, because so- your name goes on the theory then. If right. you're the first to publish a theory, your name goes on it, whereas... You know, no one knows who Elisha Gray is. No, but they all share data, right? They all share data, right? To help each other, right? You might keep something crucial away, but I don't know. I I, I just, it just feels like something that's inherently meant to be cooperative. Yeah. And it's always framed as a competitive game. And I think there's a reason for that. I think a, a cooperative deduction game would be hard to implement because how do you decide who's won it, right? Like you, it's it's a binary state. If it's a cooperative game, you either win well, or I mean, you lose. That's that's why games like um, the ID Ventures introduce the um, timer mm. because you you win it if you don't run out of time. Right, exactly. Right, because other, otherwise it would be very anticlimactic if you don't get to solve yeah. the deduction puzzle. Mm. You you know it's binary. You either solve it or you don't. Mm. You win mm. or you lose. Mm. Uh, but how do you quantify that more as a as a, as a like I'm playing a board game, you know? Yeah, and yeah. how do you give it a feel of I'm playing a board game? So I I I don't blame anyone for framing their deduction games, you know, competitively. competitively. Yeah. I, that makes sense. I understand why people do that. I'm just saying it feels at odds to me with what you're doing in the game and how it's framed. And that's a sort of really high level. I don't want to call it high level, but like a sort of uh, very pinpointed critique, right? Yeah, it's very specific. Yeah, it's it's very but, very specific. You know, like fortune favors the brave. Yeah, right. Like mm. like that's that's what this game is all about. I sat there bimbling about, going, "Well, I'm not exactly definitely sure if this is this or if this isn't this." So mm. I'm just going to write that down separately here, and then we'll try and work out things, get more information from this and this and this and this, and spend turn after turn trying to gather more things to. to to make myself absolutely sure that this was specifically correct, whereas you were going, well, I think it might be that. And and I'm not saying that you were like blazing through it or like Mm. you were being brazen about it. You had theories and you had ideas about it and you just were confident in those ideas and theories. Well, so I'm going to throw you a curveball right Mm. now. I've blathered on about why I feel like I feel about this game and on and on and on. You said at one point after we finished our last game, you said, I don't think I like deduction games. Do you, would you recommend this game or um, did you enjoy it? I suppose it comes back to the point you were making about I wish it was more cooperative because what I didn't... I do like deduction. I like deduction very much. I love logic puzzles. Was that just a moment of anger? It was maybe a little moment of anger, but okay. it was that stress of feeling like I was in a race mm. um, to, to try and work, work out everything as quickly as I possibly can. And that just scrambled up my brain. Like I couldn't mm. think straight. I couldn't mm. work out. Like there were things that I missed because of that. If if I had all the time in the world, I could have just sat down and gone, okay, well, this tells me that there's no asteroids here. So there must be asteroids here. But I didn't do that. I was going, okay, there's no asteroids here. So what do I move on to next? Like my brain was all over the place. Mm. And I think that 
I just didn't like the feeling that it gave me. If, I mean, if I want stress, I can get that in real life. I don't need that in a in a board game. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't need that level of pressure in a board game. And I was really, really glad that you seemed to be enjoying it because you... Oh, very much. I, I kept seeing your face and you were like, oh, oh, and like there was light bulb moments and there was like upsetting moments where you hadn't quite got the thing that you wanted or it wasn't quite where you thought it was going to be. And that, I enjoyed watching that, right? Mm-hmm. But it also gave me that extra layer of anxiety of I'm I must catch up quickly I must do something about this and then I made wrong decisions I think it's just something peculiar to me I should mention probably because someone will inevitably say well you know there's modes in this game where you can uh-huh. give one person less clues but and I the don't other person- want that no that's insulting I don't right? want that I don't want fewer clues I just yeah. don't want that race right yeah right? no but like imagine like you know we sat down and I'll say uh, you know, well, you're not as good as deduction and I am than I, as I am. So here, have more clues. That's, go away. That's, that's, <laughs> Take your clues and poke your eyes with them. There you go. No bueno, um, right? That's what I would have said. No, I don't want more clues. I don't want help. Mm. I just want to be able to do the puzzle in my own time. And that thematically doesn't work at all because you're a scientist. You're competing. You you need to get your theory out now. You have to take those risks. You have to take that leap of faith. And I wasn't very good at doing that. One thing I do want to mention, and this is sadly something we didn't have time to try, and because I only discovered it just recently, is that there is a solo mode, Mm -hmm. but it is not included in the box itself. But if you go on the publisher's website, or I think also on the app, it mentions that there is a solo mode you can play against a bot player, the app will take care of it Mm -hmm. for you. And I guess this would be one way of playing it cooperatively, just give ourselves less clues you know, and play together... Against the bot. Against the bot, you mm-hmm. know? This yeah. is something we could try in the future and maybe report on that in a future podcast segment. Having said that, I wholeheartedly recommend the Search for Planet X. If you like deduction games, it maybe doesn't work as a competitive system, but it sure as heck works as a lot of fun. It feels... If you enjoy pure deduction, I think you'll have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, uh, Elaine, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I enjoyed it. I, d- I liked it. Uh, I just wasn't very good at it. I think we'll end on that. And that was episode 16 of the No Pun Included podcast. I had a great time. Did you have a great time? I had a good time. I'm looking forward to all the games we're going to be playing. We're going to be playing a lot of games because England's going back into lockdown again. So there will be nothing else to do but play games and eat food. Why, Efka, I'm a listener to your podcast. I would like to make nice comments about your podcast that I have just listened to. How do I make them? I'm glad you asked that, dear listener. Uh, you could go to nopointincluded.com slash podcast find the relevant episode and leave a comment. Uh, We wholeheartedly welcome them and we read and enjoy all of them. Uh, If you, however, would like to watch some excellent board game reviews, you could do that on youtube.com slash no pun included, which is where our main base of opera something i i lost it (laughs) just just go to youtube type in no pun included you'll find us us. some great videos there i hope you enjoyed this podcast episode as much as i did why don't you say goodbye elaine goodbye elaine goodbye elaine